0: Hey everybody! I'm here with Robert Phoenix for our Astro Fix for the autumn of 2019. And last time we talked to Robert, he was telling us to beware. It was going to be a long, hot summer on a lot of levels, including a lot of violence taking place around the world. And of course, we've seen a real rash of that, and also the beginnings of what could be a recession. So let's go ahead and uh, hook up with Robert, and he'll we'll go over the summer a little bit before we launch into what we should expect to see this fall. Robert, good to see you again.
1: Hey, good to see you, Regina. Always great to be here and always great to look into the future and kind of get our bearings from the past. And it has been a fairly intense summer and we're not quite out of it yet. We still have a few more weeks to go. here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, it, but it's been pretty intense. We could we could see it happening. You know, um, if you looked on the sort of the horizon, uh, you could see the storm clouds brewing. You know, we had a very strong uh, Sun-Mars conjunction and Leo during the summer. And I just knew that temperature-wise, it was going to be super hot. Jupiter was also closer to the, United, to, the, to the planet than it had been in quite some time. So that added to some of this intensity. Plus, we came out of a Mercury retrograde with a new moon. And, you know, that's that's the, you know, theoretically called the black moon, right? Right. And everything started to pivot right around that moon. And that's when the uh, the shooting in El Paso occurred, and then the shooting in. Um uh, Dayton, Ohio uh, occurred, right? Am I right about that?
0: Right. In fact, I did a blog right about that period of time called the numbing down of America, mm-hmm. and I just grabbed a couple of stats at that time. Nearly a hundred people had been killed and almost two hundred and fifty wounded in these mass shooting events, and that was just in a very short space of time, less than a month. I mean, it was absolutely insane. I, I don't know that we've seen anything like this. Or if that there's a precedent for it,
1: well what's ironic is, is that every day in places like Chicago and Baltimore and Richmond and East Oakland and East St. Louis, um, there's gun violence all the time. And the amount of gun deaths that happen in a place like Chicago over a month would equal, if not surpass uh, the number of some of the sh- shootings, but those never get any press. It is no, just
0: mass shootings. Exactly.
1: Right. So they're there. So what we're looking at here, and I think we have to be very, very Careful with how we interpret data and what people do with it, because the mass shootings are much more politicized than what's going on in the inner cities of America, which has been happening for quite a long time. But those shootings aren't sexy on some really kind of perverse level, right? These other these other incidents become they become real flashpoints for the whole issue around gun control, and with Chiron and Aries. Uh, it, it's coming back to its place in the United States chart, which is at 20 degrees Aries. And there are a lot of things happening uh, in relation to that. Now, I don't think the Second Amendment will be taken away, but it's being choked off. And it's being choked off in places like today. I was just listening to the radio. Walmart is going to stop selling handguns. I was just
0: and- going to bring that up. They're, they're going to stop selling ammunition for handguns.
1: Right. So So on their part. So this is a big, you know, Walmart has a very strange history with uh, the defense intelligence and defense agencies. So they're, they're, it's a very odd kind of, kind of outlet. Got Tell idea. us
0: about that. I, I don't think most of us know about those connections.
1: So Sam Walton, uh, the founder of Walmart, got his start in the United States – Army by basically managing Japanese internment camps, so he has his roots. So the Walton family roots goes all the way back to managing Cuban capital. Like he was the guy that you know oversaw what you know what kind of food got in there, uh, the clothing. I mean, he was basically getting a lot of he was getting a lot of practice for running running Walmart. Uh, but there's also like a, there was a very strong connection between walmarts and um what was the uh, uh, the project that, that was happening a couple of years ago it's not i wasn't thinking about it before we get on the air but it's when uh they were running these drills
0: oh so, i remember what you're talking about mostly in the southern part of california and nevada yeah
1: yeah and so walmarts were connected to this as well and apparently there's a really interesting connection with walmart's that are above the ground and also below the ground as well. There's a whole kind of subterranean uh, aspect or complex to remember these Walmarts.
0: Well so, you mean beyond just like deep distribution centers, oh, you yeah. mean for other purposes, yeah, I assume? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, Walmarts are they're very they're pretty unique in in the story of American history from Sam Walmart and uh, the roots of Walmart really going all the way back to Japanese internment camps to really changing uh, the internationalist and globalist game. I mean, Walmart became the, the distribution point for a lot of offshoring of companies to China. So they're very tied in to what I would call um, an emerging culture in a lot of ways. Like they're always at the edge of automation uh, with what they do with their stores. And I find this a bit, Ridiculous that they only had one or two very grainy photos of the shooter in El Paso when Walmart prides itself on prevention loss. So the minute you oh, walk yeah, in surveillance, yeah.: Yeah, the minute you walk into a Walmart, they automatically know how much money you have in your pocket, believe it or not, because they have scanners that will read the strips which are encoded in all of our money. So they know how much you've got. They know how much you're going to spend. And they've got surveillance, CCTV cams all over Walmart. So I, fi- I find it really, uh, how do I say this? A bit, a bit disconcerting that those few pictures were the only pictures that they could yeah. come up with, right? Oh,
0: truly. Now let's look at today's news. What does this mean when Walmart is going to start withdrawing ammunition for handguns from, for the, from their shelves?
1: Yeah, so this is a, um, a deeper discussion. And two weeks ago, and this gets into astrology. I'll bring it into astrology so people can wrap their heads around this. Two weeks ago, there was a massive corporate roundtable. And I don't know if you, you followed this, but there were 188 of the uh, Fortune 200 companies that got together. And they all basically got together and signed off on an agenda. And the agenda was, well, we're going to sacrifice profit in order to make the world a better place. If you look at the companies on on that or in that roundtable, you've got people like Fluor and Rand. And, you know, these are really major uh, international globalists. A lot of the military industrial complex companies, Amazon is on it. A lot of people don't know that Amazon is way more than a retailer. Amazon provides the cloud services for the intelligence agencies in this country. So they did a deal with the NSA. Um, they did a deal, if I'm not mistaken, with the CI. I know the NSA. So they're running a lot of very sophisticated cloud services. So there's a huge chunk of change that that um, Amazon got. It really helped them with some of their losses with their with their online retailers. So the goal of these 188 companies, theoretically, to make this world a better place and sacrifice profit was – Number one, they were going to promote diversity. Now, diversity means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. One of the things that diversity does not mean is diversity does not always uh, equal a meritocracy. This is the one thing that people have not yet figured out with diversity. If there's a quota, they will take people that fit the quota. They won't always be the best people, right? And that's just the way it is. So they're promoting diversity, which is essentially saying we're going to move the the meritocracy or the merits of being a part of the meritocracy over here or put them in the background. And we're going to, because, because diversity is going, it's the, um, issue that is going to be much more electable, not in this coming election, but in the election after when we have Saturn conjuncting Neptune. And that's generally an aspect that rears its head when socialism and communism begin to become part of these overall globalized systems. So we're going to be staring down socialism and communism. And these people, they know that what's going to happen this election, it's probably a fait accompli and a done deal. They're looking at the election after this. So they're rearranging their corporate mindset to fit into a governmental mindset. And this gets into the Pluto and Capricorn, Saturn and Capricorn aspect, where we see the rise of the corporatocratic state, where the idea between, the idea that links corporations with the public good, or linking it to something that is connected to a political position is going to become much more prevalent as the, as the, as the days, weeks, and months go on. So essentially what Walmart is doing now is it's inserting itself into the political game and it's making politically based choices. And we're going to see more and more of this. And so on the one hand, one could say, well, isn't this great? They're being proactive. You know, if this sort of thing floats your boat, you're going to champion Walmart. If on the other hand, you don't want to see corporations become more involved in the business and governance in your life, this should theoretically be kind of a, canary in the coal mine and a bit of a troubling trend, to be honest with
0: you. Well, it's interesting because I think our perception has been for the last decade or decade and a half that we're already in a, a total corporatocracy, so to speak. So I think most of us are assuming that's our reality. So you're saying that it will become even more prominent. Yeah, and then, Absolutely. Okay, that'll be interesting because here you have uh, Democratic candidates running on a Democratic Socialist agenda, which is kind of more of Roosevelt model than anything else. I think people are really confused over the difference between communism and socialism and democratic socialism. But you're saying that whichever version of it, whichever tint of it it is on that spectrum, that the upcoming astrology actually supports that coming into prominence.
1: It certainly supports it becoming a much bigger part of the dialogue. And quite possibly even being um, kind of thrust into uh, a much bigger, you know, kind of piece of our lives or slice of our lives. Um, you know, a lot of people, excuse me, have been championing this kind of, this kind of system. Um, you know, it's a, we're in a really tenuous point because there's a lot happening that we probably don't have a lot of time to get into, but it also, but it also gets into... What's going on with their inner cities? Not far from you, Sacramento. I did a show on Sacramento and the homeless problem in Sacramento. Oh,
0: it's huge, yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, so some of, these, some of these issues and some of these items are actually being, to some extent, manufactured so that we can have a greater sense of things are going wrong, things are going off the rails, and we need somebody to come in and, and fix all of this. In a lot of ways, it's kind of organized chaos. So this is kind of what we're staring down here, and this, this colossus of Pluto and Capricorn and Saturn and Capricorn, you know, we're, we're looking at two big kind of choke points coming up. One is the big eclipse happening in December, uh, and that's a lunar eclipse happening on the 25th of December going into the 26th, and of course, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which happens on January 12th, and that's a big game changer. When you want to talk about the money stuff, we can go there.
0: Yeah, we can go there because, um, you know, that it's on the, with the lips of pretty much everybody in the world of economy right now that it appears we're slipping into a recession. Uh, gold just hiked up over $1,550, um, I think, today today as a matter of fact and these are always signs that where we're headed and we all know this if you were around in 2008 2007 and how this came down and i have to tell you from the streets i've mentioned this before but I, it actually makes me queasy now when i see it because it's a foretelling of what's coming and i'm a kind of an, an on the uh, boots on the ground um, observer of the economy via retail outlets basically right. outlets and i'm just seeing um Every er, virtually every store I go to except Trader Joe's, I'm seeing increased floor space. So they're taking racks out during the night, shelving out during the night. Um, you can even see the marks on the floor where shelves used to be, but mostly what I notice is just much more space and far fewer products. This is happening everywhere. Stores that never had sales are having sales, um, now on almost on a weekly basis, even kind of high end, uh, upper middle class types of stores, you know, appealing to cuisine and clothing for women and so forth. Even these stores are having, uh, these issues probably even more so. So now I'd like to hear your point of view on what this actually means. Uh, astrologically and what kind of trend you foresee
1: yeah i guess if you really want to follow the leader uh, warren buffett's been liquidating a lot of assets and getting into cash mode mm-hmm. so so if you if you want you know if you want to look at what he's doing as kind of a trend um that says to me that he wants to be liquid right he wants to be fluid in um cash is king in fluid time so we're staring down Uranus and Taurus and there's the money is going to be different. I mean, seven years from now, the money is going to be different. Well, not seven years from now, but with, with Uranus and Taurus, it'll, it, it'll be, Uranus will be a Taurus for seven years. So this is, this is pretty significant. And Taurus represents things that are hard, like currencies, coins, dollars, gold, silver, Uranus represents radical disruption and kind of a reordering of the domain that of the sign that it's in. So, we're going to see a change with money, and I think we're going to start to see that change this year. Now, one of the things that I had been discussing with uh, another astrologer, the great Marina Dark Star, is that um, I don't think the dollar is going to completely go away, um, but the dollar is going to buy you a lot less. The dollar will be devalued. Well, why will it be devalued? Because the price of things is going to go up.
0: I was going to say, Robert, uh, won't that be true of virtually every currency, though? The currencies of the world are simply going to buy less.
1: That's right. However, they will find a way around this. And Here's the way around it. The way around it is there are a number of companies now that are that are sprouting up on the internet. And they're basically kind of a, a rebate company um, where you can get cash back, cash discounts, but it's all through your phone. So let's say, for instance, I wanted to buy something that would cost me $150 with cash. And maybe that that thing is really worth about $100 based on some kind of absurd inflation. With these apps or these kinds of value-add kinds of propositions that are in your cell phone, you could use your cell phone to make the transaction and you might get up to 20% back on that. Right? So this is going to be a trend that people are going to be using more and more and more. They're going to incentivize people to do transactions via their cell phone. Go ahead.
0: What would be an example of one of those companies? So people can look, start looking around at it.
1: Well, like Rakuten. Rakuten is one of those companies. Um, there's a company here in, um, uh, Austin called uh, Doge D-O-S-H. So they're sprouting up all over the place. And they're still working the bugs out on the stuff. But if you if you had to buy something and you were using your cell phone and you could go through one of these apps or have one of these Q codes or coupon and you were getting 20% back on your buying power or something like that, what would people do? They would, They would basically opt in on that because it would save them theoretically money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so we're in will be in a transitionary and this will just be kind of one version of this right but we're in a transitionary state and eventually what they want to do is they want to get everybody to transact either via their cell phone or potentially the universal identification card those will be those will be the two intermediary things I, I was just i just did a show today about high schools in austin where if you're a student you have to wear your ID card around your neck wherever you go. So you have if you want to get a lunch, you got to have your ID card. If you want to use the bathroom, you've got to have your ID card. Uh, if you want to ride the bus, you've got to have an ID card. So they're they're getting if you want to have a, you know, uh, check out a book in the library or even get into the library, you've got to have an ID card. So what they're doing is they're getting our, our young people used to the fact that the biometric reality and the biometric economy is in their future. And this gets into the money and the money crash. And so what will happen is that eventually there will be this transition to where what I hold in my hand digitally over here will be worth more than what I have over here. And people will just automatically go here because their survival depends on it. So that's going to happen. And I think we're gonna start to see the beginning of that this coming year.
0: Okay, so now let's look at blending those uh, trends. Okay, so we have this trend that's moving toward Uh, the energy of of socialism, for example. At the same time, we have the economy beginning to decline. And of course, as you say, there are some of these other kind of unique factors within it, such as what you just mentioned. But might this also, looking at it from an optimistic view, might this also be an ideal time for things like um, communities and families to begin pulling together, like we've talked about before, like time banking to start emerging, becoming more creative, more collaborative, and more community-based. When the economy goes down this time, would this configuration astrologically better um, prepare us for that kind of reality?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I've been talking about this for a couple of years now. If if you don't want this to be your reality, if you have an allergic reaction to having everything that you do in terms of your transactions tracked, um, then you've got to get on the ball and you need to be working with people in your community. For instance, something very, very simple that people can do um, that could really impact their bottom line is people can shop bulk together. Mm -hmm. You can get four to five families and you can shop bulk together. You'll save money. Um, It'll be a good experience in terms of bonding and building with people. Um, I would suggest that you probably look into some form of extended refrigeration as well. So you can, if if you're somebody that actually eats meat, there are people that still eat meat, um, you could go in and get a whole grass-fed cow with a uh, couple of people and then have that divvied up and you can live off that cow Quite nicely for a few months. So there are ways in which we can begin to do this We are there are ways yeah. in which we can we can plan um, it's going to be uh, You're gonna have to really get on the ball though because I, I Think that the clock is ticking on this so this the more you can have in place Um, obviously the better off you'll be
0: yeah i've already begun that with some girlfriends of mine with that are scattered around this little hilly region we're in we 're in these little tiny dots of towns and one of us will go to Costco and pick up something and then share it between us because no one can finish a whole one and it really does cut down cut down on the cost and also the waste and so that 's how we've kind of begun and when someone gets a you know big load of tomatoes for example from Jose the farmer here who's just amazing, uh, we all share it with each other so we've started that already and there is a very deeply connective and satisfying experience in doing that. It's, it's, I don't see it as as any kind of sacrifice. I see it as a joy.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, if you look at what's happening, I've talked about this also on my show, um, retail is being radically um, reset and automation is playing a really big role in this. And again, that's a Uranus and Taurus thing. Because when you go to a store, what are you doing? You're purchasing hard goods. You know, you're, you're purchasing meat and veggies and toiletries. Those are all kind of tourist transactional items. So now here in, in uh, Fredericksburg, where I live, um, they've taken away a lot of the uh, cashier jobs. Uh, they've basically let people go or they've reassigned them to, to run the floor and go shop for people. And what they've done is they've created way more uh, instant checkouts, automated checkouts. This is ultimately, I don't think this is really good for the human species because it cuts down on human interactivity and we need each other. You know, we are, uh, bees and we pollinate each other with our thoughts, uh, with our ideas, uh, with our eyes, um, with our hormonal uh, signatures. These are really important components of our life and they are being taken away. they are being stripped away. It
0: will drive us out to farmers markets and other kinds of gatherings. I mean, I, that's a weekly practice for us. I mean, there are ways around this. Like you say, you just have to have a heads up and start committing to it now.
1: Well, what I'd really love to see is I'd love to see communities start their own currencies. I think that that would be another radical reorientation with Uranus and Taurus.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's I, in New York did it. I mean, it's happened. And both currencies and time banking.
1: That's right. Let's say you've got a town of 3,500 3, people. Perfect size. Figure out what your own currency is. How are you going to back it? Could you back it? Is it based on barter? Is it based on exchange, time banking? Are you basically contributing something, right? So you get something back and then you share it with one another. I mean, these are, the, these are the kinds of ideas that people are going to need to have because I'll tell you, the Pluto and Capricorn and Saturn and Capricorn uh, welcoming party have very different ideas for how we're going to transact and how how the economy is going to go.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad we spent some time on the economy because that's going to be on everybody's mind if it isn't already. So now let's start diving into 9-11. Actually, September 11th, we have Sun-Neptune opposition at 17 degrees. You said, really interesting. Start looking at propaganda, reopening of things like the original 9-11 and such. Talk about that phenomena.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're at a very interesting time when it comes to the dissemination of information. Uh, a couple of weeks back, I think about a month ago, essentially um, the FBI came out and said that uh, conspiracy theorists or people that are quote unquote searching for the truth are, are now gonna be labeled terror threats. So this is you know, this is kind of you know, what we're staring down. And then DARPA just came out the other day and DARPA said that they've got a program that can basically erase, eradicate and remove any information they want. So if you've got a website or let's say, for instance, you, Regina, have a video that's really just, you know, cracking and, you know, great information, you know, somebody may be a kind of borderline whistleblower, truth teller, healer, and everybody's got to hear it. Well, DARPA could figure that out and they could just basically funnel it off so that it doesn't get any search results. It could be shadow banned. They could remove it completely from the internet. This is what they're talking about now, okay? So we're entering into a very, very scary period where it comes to information, deplatforming, and the eradication of information. Because things are being scrubbed on the internet every single day as we continue this journey.
0: Oh, they truly are. We see this all the time now. So I I, uh, not only have no doubt of what you're saying, I've seen a fair amount of evidence of it.
1: So this brings us up to uh, September 11th of this year. And it's a very unusual Sun-Neptune conjunction. Well, Sun, the Sun will oppose, I'm sorry, uh, Sun-Neptune opposition. This has happened before. Like last year, the Sun opposed Neptune, Because right? Neptune was in Pisces. Sun was in Virgo. Of course, we're going to get that opposition. But this year, it does happen on 9-11. It's a very interesting day. So one of the things that, you know, when I look at, an aspect of that, I try to get a picture of it in my head. And what I get is something very cloudy, very foggy, kind of misty, you know, kind of cutting through the fog, you know, based on, you know, that day and sort of where this sort of trail of information has been going, looking at what they want to do with people that are telling the truth. I can kind of see what's happening, right? I can kind of see this this grand high level obfuscation just like a heavy-duty fog bank, kind of descend on that day, right? But the other part of that is that there's also the possibility of things to slip through the cracks with the Sun-Neptune opposition. It is usually based on something that somebody will say. It'll, you know, or maybe, you know, a couple of somebodies, and we'll wind up scratching our heads. It's like, where did that come from? What does that mean? So we'll get the reverse in some ways. So, you know, while we get this maybe heavy handed, you know, sort of wet blanket, you know, over 9-11 and fake news and all the stuff that, you know, all these media outlets are decrying, there's actually a a real opportunity here for something to slip through the cracks. Now, is it going to be the dam that breaks? And are we going to get the truth around 9-11? It's doubtful. But it will give us something unique to look at and to look into. And I would say probably somebody like Trump might actually say something because he does this, right? He does this. Yeah, he does it all the time. Right. And that son is going to be in his first house because his first house is mostly a Virgo first
0: house. So So what does this mean? What is the potential with his um, propensity toward loose lips, shall we say?
1: Well, I mean, go back to the presidential debates. I mean, one of the things that he did is he basically threatened Neil Bush to to talk about nine eleven during one of the debates. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, he was making a direct threat to Neil Bush and the Bush family. Okay, so we know that Trump has a really thin. thin he's got he's got a very small fuse, right? Um, and he does not like being shown up or he doesn't like disloyalty if he's got a score to settle and if it's with anybody related to nine eleven, i i could easily see him you know uh barking up that tree so that that's how I, that's how i could see that unfold
0: okay and i was going to say um this will air right after that period of time we're, we're recording it just a couple weeks early um okay. So, Because I'm going to be on the road. So people will be able to look back and see in this period, is this kind of phenomena popped up or is it popping up in your, your view right now? So, at, yeah. at, the,
1: at the very least, I guarantee you, we're going to get hit with a tsunami of propaganda during that day.
0: What's interesting about this is when you're talking about the larger phenomena, um, and again, now taking the economy, taking government, taking our presence on the internet and controlling it if you're doing anything outside of you know mainstream Again, this all leads to one thing, and that is people coming back together again. Now, I know one thing I've done before in the past, which I really enjoyed doing in Sedona, um, I created kind of a salon of sorts where I'd take some of my top videos, bring them to the library, and the place would be packed. People would come in, we'd watch one of the interviews together, and then we'd all discuss it. And there were really rousing debates. And it seems to me, and I know Zeus is getting ready to do this. My husband, Zeus, is getting ready to create a salon here in this region. Region, and um, I think this is a really good time for people to say look we're not going to be silenced we need to come together and talk so again everything keeps pointing back to coming together community on across all of these um, areas you know
1: yeah I'll give you three examples Um, the first example is I'm having an event in Fredericksburg actually Kerrville in Fredericksburg in October so this is an event where people are coming from all over the country we're going to spend a weekend together. We're going to do some some seminar stuff. We're going to do a live show. Um, we're going to get together and have like kind of a family reunion in some ways. So taking, going from being digital into the real. Yes. So that, that's happening. And I encourage more people to do that. You don't have to have an internet show or, you know, have a website. You can have your own version of it. That's number one. Number two, here in Fredericksburg, we're working on, Uh, The cessation of fluoridation. And we have a ballot measure in November. Uh, We worked our ass off. We're a very small group, but we managed to get on the ballot. And uh, fluoride is one of these issues where it's still low hanging fruit. You know, they're not going after the anti fluoride people, they're going after the anti vaxxers, they're going after people like Mercola, Alternative Health. But the fluoride stuff is still kind of hanging out there. And if you live in a town, That has between five and ten thousand people you can get the fluoride out if you've got enough switched on people it's a really empowering thing to do so we're working on that
0: that's an interesting one and just to give you another resource to work with if you choose uh zeus's father was one of the four uh fathers of that entire thing he worked for a chemical very large chemical firm. Um, He was a chemist and he had to analyze the effects of fluoride on human health. He was basically let go after he said this stuff creates cancer. That was his, his final uh, findings. And you can find him on YouTube. His name is John Yamuyanis and it's a tough name, but the video still stands. He's doing great work. It's a great one to share with people. The last name is Y I A M O U Y I A. N-N-I-S, John Yamianas on YouTube, and you'll see him talking about his studies in fluoride. It's been a couple decades ago, but it's every bit as relevant today, and he's very learned on the topic.
1: That's really great. We'll put it on our Facebook page. For okay, sure.
0: yeah, that sounds good. Zeus is papa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the third, the third piece here, and this is actually quite encouraging, and it does have to do with group participation and group activity. Um, The town of Danville, which is not far from where you are, it's in the Bay Area,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, they just, um, um, who is it, um, Sprint and T-Mobile, who are trying to merge, uh, but uh, T-Mobile has said that they are not going to put up any 5G towers in Danville because the people in the city of Danville basically rejected it. So this is a really interesting development. And Danville joins Mill Valley and San and Yes.
0: Wonderful. Right. Marin County. That's fabulous. I didn't know about Danville.
1: And Fairfax. So, yeah. so get on the stick, get involved, find out what's going on with 5G in your neighborhood. That's another thing that you can do. So there are things that people
0: can plug into and have their group experience and, and really feel like they can make a change. Okay, that's all good news. I mean to, I find this a very promising period of time let the other stuff crack and fall away Okay, so we're going into the end of september uh, sun new moon mercury venus in libra Now libra generally brings a little bit of balance and beauty to the story. So let's talk about that
1: Yeah, that comes right off of the equinox on the 23rd obviously You know that point of balance that we all you know sort of strive to have in our lives um, and we're we're into the kind of the the part of the year now where most of the year is behind us, and we're looking backwards and you know hopefully seeing what's taken place. Um, you know, time is time is a whole other issue. But um, the sun, new moon, Mercury, Venus, all in the sign of of Libra. Um, that is in some ways even more kind of equinoxy than the equinox because we're really dealing with some level of balance, some level of kind of stasis, right? And uh that's kind of a it's kind of a big period of time. You know, I would say, you know, that that uh you know the few days, the the second, the third, the fourth, that's a time to really kind of, you know, gather your senses of October. Right. Right. Well starting with the 29th, I'm sorry. And then we've got Pluto Direct, which is on the third of October. But starting with the 29th, that's the time to really kind of gather your senses. Uh, connect with people. You know, try to. I would do less during that time, to be honest. with
0: oh, you goodness, I'm flying to New York. I'm, I'm teaching at the Omega Institute for a couple of days. Right then, going to do a lecture in New York City. Right. I'm doing the opposite. Well,
1: you've got Libra in your sixth house. I know your chart, so you'll be you'll yeah. be fine. It's a good working aspect.
0: Okay, you. good. That's just a personal. Okay, but for everybody else, try to stay a little bit. Uh, quiet and calm and reflective during that time well
1: yeah I mean you know Libra likes options Libra's a funny sign like Libra likes to bond and to connect but it also likes options because it's connected to Aries is the opposite sign so yeah. there's a kind of you know their the free range kind of um, quality to Libra so that's a good that's just a good period it's also a good time to check in with your relationships See where you're at, what's going. If you want to make changes to your relationships or have those discussions, it's a pretty balanced period of time to be able to do that.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, then we start heading into the shadow of Mercury in retrograde and then dive into Mercury in retrograde in Scorpio, which is oftentimes not the easiest ride.
1: Right. So Pluto is going direct on the 3rd of October, and I think it's a pretty big transit. Because when Pluto, you know, we we can measure what's going on with these institutions with Pluto. So when we see a Pluto direct move, to me it signals that potentially these large kinds of, you know, titanic forces will begin to put some things into play during that Pluto direct time. So we may see more Walmarts theoretically come on board during that time. This this fall is going to be very interesting. So the shadow Mercury retrograde that happens on the 7th of October. So we're just getting into that shadow period. You know, that's when things aren't going wacky yet. But we we're beginning to sense that Mercury is going to, you know, do its reverse dance. And we've also got a transit of Mercury this year across the sun, which we can talk about as well. It's kind of an interesting time for Mercury as we get into that November period.
0: So what's it going to feel like for us? What is it going to open up and close down for us?
1: Yeah, so we've got that Mercury retrograde happening on the 1st. That's In November. Be, yeah, November. So that's 27. It reverses at 27 degrees Scorpio. So it's like at the final degrees of Scorpio, where it feels as if we've come to the conclusion of Scorpio, right? But when it goes retrograde, it's like, oh, uh, there's more. Huh? There's more. Okay, so I'm going to throw a dart at the uh, cosmic billboard, billboard or the cosmic dartboard. And I think we're going to start to see some Epstein material come up with this Mercury retrograde, starting at 27 Scorpio, because it's like right at the end of Scorpio. Scorpio is supposedly over with. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's not over with because we're going to go back and we're going to exhume the dead. Right? I mean, it, it, there's. There's a lot of there's a lot of very puzzling and troubling pieces around the Epstein extraction. And the the interesting thing about it is that the left and the right kind of agree on it. It's fascinating.
0: Right on, this is one thing that everybody smelled a rat instantly when there was no proof, when there was no definitive language around a suicide. I think everybody got within that first hour, this wasn't a suicide. He was either murdered or he was moved. And I think you're right. It doesn't matter which side we're on. If, you're, if you have your eyes open a bit and you're a thinking person, something's not right with the official story. You know, what's really interesting
1: is that if you go back into the 60s and the 70s, the real great conspiracy theorists and researchers, they were on the left. They were they were progressives. They were people that were looking into kind of what was going on with, um, you know, the government and surveillance agencies, military-industrial complex. Um, you know, you've got uh, people like Mark Lane, who was, you know, very big during that time. Uh, you got your buddy from the Christic Institute, you know. I mean, so... Danny Danny Sheehan. So, you know, there's a history of this on the left, and they they kind of abandoned that because ultimately they'd have to do a great deal of self-examination with what's happened with their own party. So I think that they just shrugged that off. But, you know, now we're seeing some people on the left who are really digging in and doing the due diligence with the research, just like it's happening on the right. And Epstein had a Venus-Mars, or has a Venus-Mars conjunction in Pisces. Almost exact. When I look at that, it has this, to me, it has this quality of bringing these attributes, the left and the right, possibly together in a weird kind of unifying way, right? So I think we're going to see something with this Mercury retrograde in Scorpio that is going to be Epstein-related.
0: That's interesting. And you talked about the 60s and when this was originally fomented. And one of the thing, things in in the world of culture movies that um, was interesting this summer was uh, by Quentin Tarantino, the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, if you weren't al- alive at the time, you probably didn't see what was coming. But I was actually working for Jay Sebring at the time. And the next morning went into work and we got the phone call that his body had been, you know, treated very brutally and he was dead. And so it was very interesting to me that this whole thing came back up again at this time, but I won't talk about it in case someone hasn't seen it, but with a little, a little different story here. So is this part of it is bringing back this, because this also had to do with a lot of deep inside governmental, apparently collusion and so forth, at least with Manson, right?
1: Uh, Could be possibly. I mean, I think they're all tied together and you pull a string and, You could unravel uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Charles Manson,
0: Jim Jones,
1: right? I mean, the whole cast of characters who've been basically put into place so that they can subvert reality and then and then and also um, extort and blackmail any number of people along the way.
0: Well, I read a couple of articles um, by people had, who had been in the field in intelligence, as speaking about. I'm just just showing a few of the names in Jeffrey Epstein's black book. It's probably the most powerful, phenomenal, damning black book in history of a, of a personal nature so it, it's inevitable there's it's such a deep and complicated web that some of this is going to come out to say nothing of the women and the various victims who want to have some kind of justice out of this even post post-mortem
1: yeah you know what's really interesting about uh, what ha- what's happened with these women these these girls
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this kind of gets into like um you know when there's a mass shooting Um, There's a great deal of energy and and, uh, brouhaha uh, with the mass shooting, and yet they totally ignore places like Chicago and Baltimore and St. Louis. It's like, well, you know, know, we're the Me Too girls when it comes to the Epstein girls. Mm -hmm. They're They're not there. They're not there. There's no, you know, where's Alyssa Milano when it comes to the Epstein girls?
0: They're that not is there. Very true. They're now, not. They're not present
1: right now. Mm. No. So I mean, to me, it, this this really kind of reinforces my cynical nature about these movements and how they're really politically motivated and not really generated by some deep desire to get to the bottom of this uh, satanic rabbit hole. I don't. You know. I, I think it's it's really all about some form of psychic and emotional manipulation.
0: I wouldn't disagree with you on that, Robert. Let's yep. go- so
1: one more thing with that Mercury retrograde in Scorpio. Look, I I think that a lot of people are looking at their lives. They're looking at their past. They're looking at their relationships. I think the, the big buzzword for what we're going through right now is trauma. People are looking at trauma in their lives. The, Truly. Role, the role the trauma has played. You know, in their in their uh, in their family, in their roots, in their development, in their family's family, in the social trauma that we've been consistently uh, bombarded by, you know, almost 24/7. So this Mercury retrograde in Scorpio is really good for getting into those places and to understand kind of, you know, where we have been completely manipulated in a lot of ways. And, and traumatized both on a personal level and on a collective level so we're dealing with the shadow really and it's, it's our shadow it's the shadow of our family it's the shadow of our culture it's the shadow of the elites and their their planetary management game so this is a really good time to get into that because november we've got some big stuff happening in november when it comes to jupiter
0: Okay, I wanted to get to that. We have a transit of Mercury, it sounds like, on um, on the 12th of November. And that's leading into the 23rd of November, just before Thanksgiving, Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Let's talk about what that means for us.
1: Yeah, so the transit of Mercury, ha- the last time it happened was back in 2016. So it doesn't happen infrequently, right? There's a kind of a regular pattern for it. However, the next transit of Mercury won't occur until 2032. So we're we're talking 13 years from now. So I think based on that, it'll be a very, very interesting um, development. Now we can't see Mercury, obviously, but with the right telescope, we can. You can actually see across the face of the sun. So that's interesting because what we're dealing with at that time is something along the lines of kind of a, a Promethean sort of journey, right? And this is where, you know, Mercury basically makes its pilgrimage across the face of the sun. And, you know, theoretically it can get scorched, which it really doesn't. But it's this dance with fire. It's this dance with the flame. It's this dance with heat. And we're going right into uh, Jupiter being very close to the uh, galactic center, which is going to happen right around the 23rd. So I think with this Mercury transit across the sun, we're, it's just, we're in a very different place. And it feels like people are just going to need to get stuff off their chest, right? It's a really good time. If you need to, you know, to clear something, if you need to, you know, get, you know, get it off your chest, get it out of your spirit, that Mercury transit across the sun, I think could be a really good time. Take a risk in some ways, you know, it can, it can, especially if we're dealing with a period where we're trying to, really gently unhooked from this trauma the burden of our trauma being able to speak to some of this could be very very powerful with that mercury transit so it's daring building
0: mercury up in transit. people you can yeah. feel it yeah the energy is building up hair trigger uh, tempers among people just just wanting to say what they need to say already, so I can imagine. And then it's, a, a, according to my notes here, it sounds like early December th- December things are going to get even more intense. What's it say? Nodes move into the first decan in late November. Energy is right. very polarized and very intense. Just what we need, more polarity.
1: Yeah, so just real, one more thing with the Mercury transit, the Mercury transit of the sun, is that it's a very David and Goliath kind of image. Like Mercury is, is the smallest object, right, theoretically in our solar system. And the sun is theoretically the biggest, although Jupiter will give it a run for its money. Um, so it's a David and Goliath kind of symbol. Remember that. Yeah, so we've got a Venus-Jupiter conjunction, which I think is really big. I think that to me, that is the aspect of the fall. You know, that's right around Thanksgiving, okay? 11, when you 20- say the
0: aspect of the fall, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, it means that this is going to be, you know, for this period of time between now and the uh, the winter solstice, this Venus Jupiter conjunction. That's that's the neon light, right? That is the events for the fall. So, you if you want to just circle your calendar, the twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, right around Thanksgiving. You remember, it was in November of 2016 when. Trump was elected, for better or worse. And that piled right into a lot of very messy Thanksgivings. Right. So
0: right.
1: right? And and
0: a lot of family feuds.
1: A lot of families have not recovered from that. And I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say that this upcoming Thanksgiving, you can bury the hatchet right in the turkey. Because the Venus Jupiter conjunction is great for being kind of bigger than your issues right it's like you know what i'm gonna be the bigger person i'm gonna sit here and listen to what you have to say and i'm not gonna judge you i'm just gonna listen and you know what i'm not even gonna put any kind of demands on you listening to me you
0: i love to- it robert i yeah. really do i think that whole um That whole experience of magnanimity has gotten buried under so much pettiness. And I have to tell you, I'll share this tonight. Um, I do a live event with Penny Kelly, who is the author of The Robes, but she also has written a a book that's just now coming out on uh, Trump, and it has uh, quite a bit of other information on it. It also has to do with er, uh, earth catastrophes and so forth. But I'm doing a live event because it's drawn so much comment on both sides I thought we need to have a venue for people to just talk about it and the ground rules are we just we will listen to each other that's what I'm trying to do in bringing these people together to hear we're, we really all want the same thing underneath it all of us want to have love health family uh, you know supply of good food community we're all looking for the same thing but we all think it's going to come to us through different means and so I'm doing, I'm doing what I can to just hold still tonight while everybody at, goes at Penny and asks her their questions and gives support and whatnot.
1: The Venus-Jupiter conjunction is magnanimity.
0: Yes, that's, that's why going. I brought it up. And Jupiter
1: is going to be conjuncting the galactic center. And, you know, theoretically, that's where all the action happens, right? Everything revolves around that black hole that's being pulsed by a quasar right around 26, 27, mm. uh, uh, tropical uh, Jupiter, right? So, um, tropical Sagittarius. So this is, this. Is, I'm a big fan of the Galactic Center because that that's the mind, to me, that's the mind of God, right? That is the mind of God that is pulsing these neutrinos, the cosmic thoughts that interpenetrate our reality. So I think it's really I think it's really incumbent to kind of align with that, right? Align with that that energy, align with that, that massive kind of expansion. And this is a very interesting time in November where, theoretically, we're there. You know, not only that, but the sun will ultimately conjunct Jupiter during the month and so will Mercury. So it has the potential of being a month where people can cover a lot of ground. A lot of ground. Get to a lot of personal truth. Get to a lot of collective truth. And I would say soak up as much as you can because when we get into December and when we get into January, we're going to need it, right? Soak it up because that's going to be the juice that's going to carry us through really, I think, the next six months.
0: And hopefully hopefully we will have personally and collectively seen the value of magnanimity. I think it is a very, very important virtue uh, Mm -hmm. that we don't employ enough. So I love the fact that at least it takes us there to around Thanksgiving. You know, that's something to be thankful for in and of itself. So Mm -hmm. on that note, um, we're going to sign off. I I, uh, am very grateful to have talked to you about all of this. And I think I I always love it when we have to turn to self-responsibility because that's one area where we do have power. The rest we don't, but that we do. And it sounds like it's called for across the board here in every aspect of our life now. So to me, it's getting more real. It's getting almost more, the future sounds a little more hopeful and fun right in the midst of all of this uh, insanity and chaos. So any final thought before we sign off, Robert?
1: Uh No, I, I just, I just think it's really important to understand that most people are having a really difficult time. Yes. And, um, that doesn't mean to say that, you know, you don't have good boundaries and good discernment. But I think it's incumbent upon us to understand that when we interact with other people, we're dealing with, you know, a lot of people with broken wings. Yes. And, um, and to kind of just keep that in the back of our minds, you know. You, yeah, you the
0: compassion you, to know that everybody is struggling. We're all under the same influences together. And it's a, it's a pressure cooker. Yeah, absolutely. Robert, thank you so much. Love talking with you as always. This has been a great conversation, very enlightening on quite a few topics. So until the winter of 2020, have a lovely holiday season and thanks again.
1: Thanks, Regina. And people can find me over at robertphoenix.com if they want to find out more about astrology and get a reading. And once again, always great to be with you.
0: Thanks, Robert. Again, you just heard him, robertphoenix.com, and he, you can get involved in all kinds of uh, whatever hijinks Robert's up to in terms of groups, readings, uh, learning about astrology itself. Robert has it all covered there on robertphoenix.com. So till next time, thank you for joining us here on Regina